Thankfully, China's experimental space station Tiangong-1 plunged safely into the southern Pacific Ocean this week, but hundreds of thousands of pieces of space junk from that spacecraft still circle Earth, and they could also pose a threat. There's just the risk of space junk generally, which has been studied by Don Kessler, former NASA scientist with more than 40 years of experience in scientific research associated with orbital debris. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me. So uh, how much is out there, uh, or do you think, accumulating since the first satellites were launched in the mid-20th century? Well, we have, right now, there's three de- techniques we use to come up with numbers to, uh, to express that. Uh, of course, since the beginning of the space program, uh, we've tracked all, all objects that are larger than about 10 centimeters, and that's usually limited by the uh, uh, wavelength that's used to track those objects, and they're cataloged. And that number right now is at 18,000 objects that has been increasing almost steadily for the last uh, nearly 60 years at, at 300 objects per year. Uh, but we also have done sampling of the environment using very powerful beam shorter wavelength radar and can see down to easily to a one centimeter. And that number is something like 600,000 objects larger than one centimeter. And we also look at recovered spacecraft surfaces that come back, every one of them comes back with pits on them that are caused by craters hitting it. We can determine whether those are meteorite or orbital debris. And that number for millimeter uh, and larger objects is 200 million. Well, thank you for explaining why the number gets so high um, and, and why we might see different figures cited but does size matter hugely? For example, if, uh, if an object is five centimetres in size, can it do much? At five centimetres, yes. Uh, it, it usually those are the sizes that uh, cause at, at least things to, uh, um, to uh, stop, uh, do something to their orbit to change them and, and cause them to rotate. And, and it, cause it can, can cause it to uh, stop functioning. But objects as small as a, a centimeter or a millimeter can also do the same thing. And because there are so many of them, and because they're going so fast, it's the kinetic energy that means that these smaller particles are just as da- are very dangerous. That is that causes them to be a big, bigger part of the problem. And can you explain to us what exactly is Kessler syndrome, which is named after you? Well, in uh, in nineteen seventy. Uh, 76, I started some calculations to determine uh, what would happen f- from collisions within uh, between satellites within the Earth orbit. And uh, at that time, I, I made the assumption that even if there were no small particles in orbit, there were only these 10-centimeter and larger objects that we knew definitely were there, what would that lead to? And what, it, what I ended up concluding is that it would it would create an environment around the Earth that would exceed the hazard uh, due to, from meteoroids of these small particles, but it would also cascade and produce an exponential growth in the degree debris, and that was published in 1978 and became the, got the nickname the Kessler syndrome because of the fact that even that you reach a point where even if you quit launching things, you will still see this increase in the smaller. Uh, population as a result of these uh, collisions. Now, in the case of, of China with the Tiangong-1 situation, uh, it came down 
safely in the end. Uh, China has said it's not going to be collecting the remains. It says not valuable. It sort of has disowned this space station. Um, what's your interpretation of the, the way it went offline and potentially even threatened the Earth if oh, it, we'd been it, very it, unlucky? It, it, that's typical of just about all, or has been typical of just about all spacecraft launch. They just quit functioning or they turned off and remain in orbit. And if they're uh, very large, massive objects, then they do pose a risk to people on the ground. And if, and, if, and if they're low in the altitude, they will come down fairly quickly. But there's a large number of very large objects up that will take maybe about 100, 200 years to come down, but they will eventually come down and cause the same problem. That's the bad news. The good news is that, that those, most of the stuff burns up, and, and most of the time it will land in the ocean because there's more water around the Earth than there is otherwise. And the risk is really le- less to any particular individual uh, than it is than being hit by an airplane falling out of the sky or, or a meteorite or an asteroid hitting the Earth. Those are, those are dangers that, are, that are also need, need to be worried about, but they're not high on the list of high priorities. But in the meantime, though, everybody is starting to consider that we need to be safe when we launch these things and, and start planning what to do about them at the end of their lifetime. For example, our space station someday will be faced with that same issue, and the plans are to bring it down in pieces and bring and put them in the ocean. In the 1970s, we flew our own space station, and we we did the same thing that China did. It was sort of abandoned in orbit, and it came down, and we were worried about where it would land, and uh, we even had some control over it and tried to place it in the ocean, but we missed, uh, and some of it hit Australia. Is it is it possible to um, fling it out of orbit in the other direction, uh, out uh, into outer space? It's possible, but that takes a lot more energy. Uh, the nice thing about bringing them, letting them come in, and trying to hit them in the ocean is that uh, you'd only have, well the atmosphere. Earth's atmosphere, there's enough residual atmosphere that change, that that does it by itself alone, uh, but it just takes a, a very small amount. But obviously you can do that and, and put it into interplanetary space. But even then, you need to worry about it still Earth crossing and eventually may hit the Earth again some in the di- time in the distant future. Right. For example, the roaster, the roaster that was launched, for example, it's on an orbit that takes it between low-Earth orbit all the way out through the asteroid belt. But it still crosses the Earth, and, and someday it's most likely to hit the Earth again. Finally, do we need to look at government regulations then to ensure this happens in, in a safer manner as possible, in a responsible manner as possible? Uh, yes, but we did start doing that back at, almost at the beginning of the space program. We formed what we call the Interagency Space Debris Coordination Committee, uh, and incidentally, uh, South Korea is the newest member of that that committee where its purpose was to uh, uh, coordinate all the international studies on orbital debris and recommend procedures. And procedures have been implemented, but they're not mandatory, and that's the problem. People are, in good faith, doing a lot of the things that they should do, but there's no international agency to regulate them and enforce those regulations. Well, for now... 
Thank you so much, Don Kessler, former NASA scientist with a syndrome named after you. Uh, please do keep up the fantastic work and, and hopefully we'll be at least well informed of future developments. Uh, good to have you on the line with us. Well, well, well thank you for your interest.